Sure. And that message is this. You are a warrior in spite of your circumstances. Do you need encouragement to turn tragedies into your own triumphant life story? If so, this podcast is for you. Listen to powerful guests who have persevered through challenges so you can gain strength to build your championship life. The host of Professor of Perseverance Podcast, Dr. James Perdue. Hey, come on in again. Hey, it's that time for us to get fired up, get some motivation, inspiration. Let's help somebody along the way. We know people hurt themselves, right? So let's help them because we have been through something that they may be going through, and we can help them get through it and let them know that life is great and still worth living, no matter what the challenge or tragedy is. Hey, today our guest, this is going to be amazing. She says in the first two years, she couldn't talk or hear. What happened there? Let's go find out what happened with can hear and talk and how it come to be where they're at today and how they're happy, having a great life, and how they're going to help the next person available. Welcome to the show. Our guest today is Dion Sanchez. Yes. Thank you for having me, James. I look forward to sharing that little intro in regards to me. Since it's really something you don't hear every single day. And not especially the first two years not uh, being able to hear it. So, yeah, yeah this, <laughs> this is going to be amazing. I mean, uh, do they uh, know what what uh, what was caused or what, what it's called uh, for you not being able to hear or see and then not see but hear and talk, and then you're able to get it back or... Sure. Just uh, a birth defect of some sort? It was a birth defect of some sort, but um, I was born in 1995. It was the 90s um, when I was born and decided not to hear our talk. Um, there was no medical diagnosis for what that was. Okay. Um, I wish it was, but um, if there was one today, I guess it may not necessarily apply to me because I am talking now. It probably would have only applied to me when I was born. But, um, yeah, for the first two years of my life, I couldn't hear her talk. Um, and that brought its on, on onset of challenges, if you will. Um, obviously, I'm talking now, so that didn't really stick. Um, that epitome moment really occurred when I was three years old. Um, so for the first two years, I was just... I mean, basically, I was. I like to think I was categorized as different from the second I entered this world. I didn't have a normal arrival into this world. Um, mm-hmm. As a result of my health deficiencies and issues, um, my mental and cognitive development was a bit slow. Um, it wasn't like the typical peer my age. So it took me longer to learn things and process things. Um I guess back then, or even now, you would consider it to be um, a bit two years delayed. I guess is the only description one can give at that point, and still to this day. Um, so people will learn how to tie their shoes at, let's say, five. I learned at seven. Um, just to give you a sort of more mental picture for your audience as far as how I process things and learn things. It, was, it took me longer. Um, and as if that wasn't challenging enough, um, I also had ADHD, um, asthma also, but I don't think the asthma 
um, stuck with me, but the ADHD I still have to this day as an adult. So um, if, if it wasn't hard enough trying to learn things and process things, um, just to prove that I am capable of intelligence, um, just getting acceptance is where my mental health struggles really began. Um, I was three years old. I was put in a specialized classroom with other kids who had disabilities. Um, so you would think it would be easy to get along with kids who are in the same boat as you. Um, not really, they're different, just like I'm different. Um, or they're perceived to be different d due to medical diagnosis and however that may work. Um, so you would think it would be easy to get along with them and be accepted, but it wasn't for me. So my dad would get ready to pick me up for physical and speech therapy, which I had several days a week growing up. Um, so he would get ready to pick me up. And the kids, the kids in the classroom would be all together playing with their blocks in a group. And I would be by myself in a corner. And that dynamic, James, is basically the dynamic that played out throughout my whole growing up, really up until I got into high school. Me just being alone, not being accepted by my peers. And as a little kid, three years old, mind you, that affects me, affected me quite a lot. Um, yeah, I can imagine. So, yeah, again, a child being a child, wanting to play with other children, and then somehow you're still the outcast at that moment with others that have some type of disability, and you're yeah. still the outcast. So, yeah. now let me ask this question here. As you say the first two years, I mean, what did mom and dad, they take you get tested and stuff? Um, yes. I they, mean, for, you know, they had to have been worried first year or so, first six months are going, just don't understand, you yeah, know, they, what's going on. They did take me to get tested and um, analyzing all the types of tests one can do at that point. Um, it wasn't easy for them. Um even after I did learn to talk and speak, um, which was three, I can't really describe when that specific epitome moment began as far as me talking and developing my speech. I can only explain everything I've done from that point, going mm -hmm. to speech therapy and physical therapy and all those little therapeutic methods they did to help me develop it more. But as far as um, when that that epitome moment, hey, she spoke a word. I don't know when that moment occurred, but yeah, it wasn't easy for my family. Um, just to give you a little um, background, which I normally would describe at the end. Uh -huh. um, so the doctors actually told my family, hey, because your daughter is this way, you might as well dope her up with medication, you know, to calm her down. And she's basically retarded. Um, so they already, not only was I just classified as different from the second I was born, I was classified as dumb already. Um, from the second I <laughs> entered this world. I'm going to interrupt you here. There's a um, another friend I know. I got this friend I know. And he basically in school was told the word he was retarded. Okay. And of course, now they say mentally challenged. Yeah. But that was the term back then. And so still used. It just people say politically correct. Okay. I understand all that. But that's the way it was called back then. Okay. But he was uh he was uh, determined retarded. And um Dion, you're not gonna believe this, but he's a uh, a billionaire now. And so let him 
talk to the teachers making forty and fifty thousand with his billionaire uh, a bank account. <laughs> well, I believe in I believe it and I do believe in the billionaire um scenario um because um little those those doctors know which I wish I can go back and laugh in their face. Oh yes. Um, who knows if they're even alive at this point because it was the nineties. But um as I mentioned I did struggle with my mental health and finding that acceptance from my peers, which was hard because I, I felt like that socialization, which is fundamental to how you evolve into your character or your personality is vitally important to your socialization. And I just didn't have that. I mean, my family was good. I had siblings. I, I mean, my childhood wasn't terrible, but it was missing something. And that was the socialization. And that's why it affected me as much as it had growing up. Um, eventually, I was taken out of that um, specialized classroom. I think it may have been, I don't know how many months it was, maybe six or a year. I don't really remember specifically, but um, they took it. They took me out of it like, hey, this girl is smart. Let's get her out of here. So I wasn't as slow as they thought I was. I was intelligent. Um, so I was put into a mainstream classroom. I believe that's the right term with regular peers and kids. As a matter of fact, the teacher in the specialized classroom took such an interest to me and just had a heart for me from the jump. She decided to no longer teach this um, special ed classroom and decided to become my teacher so she can continue teaching me in the mainstream classroom. That's an amazing person. Yes. Um, she's like my favorite person. She's still in contact with me to this day. She even went to my college graduation. That's how much of an influence and impact. Oh, it's awesome. That's awesome. Yes. So, um, I'm in a regular classroom at this point. Um, a new chance to, you know, get friends, be accepted, new curriculum. I'm here, I'm here. But, um, that just didn't change. The dynamic of me being alone remained the same. It remained permanent. Um, just in PE class, playing by myself with a basketball, no friends. Um, it was just, it was sad. It was disheartening because I just wanted to be accepted. Like, why is this yeah. happening? And um, that dynamic continued on and it began to put a picture in my head like, okay, um, I, I mean, it's not like they're rejecting me for having glasses. I mean, kids get picked on for insecurities all the time. Amen, sister. And that's wrong, I, wrong, wrong. But yeah, people get picked on. Kids get picked on just because, yeah, they're not wearing the right color socks. And they right. get bullied on. Yeah, exactly. You're right. right. Uh, silly or stupid to be made fun of. And I've definitely gotten made fun of those stupid, silly things. But it wasn't really that that I was taken into account. It was the fact that they were rejecting me for simply being me. Because of how I came into this world, because I was different, I just took that as a brutal, hard truth that, okay, you reject me for being me. I can't change who I am. So it wasn't even something as superficial or silly or stupid to be made fun of. It was just the mere act of my existence that they were rejecting, um, which was, it was depressing. It was heartbreaking because I just wanted that acceptance. So as far as um, my struggles with mental health, that continued. I didn't really confide in my family, I'll be honest. They may have been aware on some level, 
because I was always by myself and alone and shy and really kept myself and quiet. But um, as far as me having that confident in regards to my um, struggles, I really confided in God because I'm a Christian. So um, God was really my best friend in that um, pivotal moments of my life and really still to my adulthood to this day, obviously. Mm-hmm. So as far as struggles in my mental, I was like, God, why does anybody want to be my friend? I'm awesome. I'm great. Why does anybody want to be my friend? Um, so I'll um, give you another example as far as um, modern. I was in fifth grade at this point, still <laughs> had no friends. Um, I would answer my hand in class and get a question wrong. Everybody would laugh. Um, someone else would answer a question wrong. Nobody would laugh. And it was just like, wow, this this is this is just my life now. Me having no <laughs> acceptance, being laughed at just simply for being me. And all I did was answer a question wrong. A normal human reaction or response to learning, getting a question wrong. Oh, yeah. And laughed at because of that because i answered it wrong not because somebody else answered it wrong but because i answered it wrong Mm. hey uh bird thank you for coming in bird baggett he says what an inspirational story he's already getting in getting all fired up already for you thank (laughs) you bird for coming in endless time awakening hey thank you for coming in buddy and uh he's just going on about the mind is powerful part of man christ spoke it uh, extensively about the mind. So yes, thank you for bringing in. Thank you for the, oh yeah, <laughs> the temple of the mind. So end Aww. time awakening. Thank you for coming in and uh, sharing with us. So, so uh, let, let me go back and ask this, uh, Dion. Let me go back and ask this real quick. Um, I understand the talking took some speech therapy and stuff to help you. How did yeah. the hearing, did it just all of a sudden, boom, there it is. Did you have surgery? The, um, the how, how did that come back? Um, I didn't have surgery. Um, in a nutshell, um, and my family considered me this because of how I am in my life. And I'm considered like the miracle child in my family because I eventually learned to speak and hear and talk and all that stuff. But as far as when the hearing occurred, I guess that coincided with when I began to talk. Mm-hmm. So I can... So as far as any surgery done, no surgery was done. I mean, I've had all types of um, tubes and ear things because I had a low immune system when I, mm-hmm. um, as a result of my birth. But as far as any crucial hearing or any surgery of that nature, I don't think I had any. No hearing aids or nothing like that? No. Okay, good. Well, you are a miracle child. So, <laughs> and I guess we're all miracles, you know, the way they... Yeah sperm and egg meat and does everything it's supposed to do. And I guess we're all miracles, but you're a, a double miracle. So <laughs> we're blessed to have you here, uh, Dion, and appreciate you with sharing your story. All right. So, yeah, you're right. You know, one thing, especially kids that we're looking for is that acceptance of our peer. And it, it's struggling time when we, we deny when we're denied that. Okay. So it's, um, yeah, I can imagine how hard that could have been. Here you are wanting to play with these other kids, want to be friends with the other kids, want to go yeah. to the dance with them, want to do roller skating. I don't know what all everybody does nowadays. <laughs> I'm talking about days when I was growing up. So it shows you how old I am. I don't know if people roller skate anymore or not. 
So I know they do those inline blading things. I know the inline blade things they do, but yeah. So uh, yeah, but I I can see where that could be very, very difficult and challenging in yourself trying to find that acceptance. Yes. And um, that really took a drastic turn or I guess a worse turn once I got into middle school. I had a firm grasp. Oh, I'm telling you right now, I taught seventh grade science for 12, 14 years. And I'm telling you, that is a, it's a great age for kids, but it's a bad age for kids. You know, all these hormones going everywhere, they're growing. They're, yeah, they're just, they're all over the place. So, so I, I can see that definitely be a more difficult time than the elementary because uh, that's about when people are searching, trying to find that right way yep. and who who is my friend. Well, I want to hang out with this group because they do this. I don't care about that group because I don't want to do that. Yeah, I can see all that uh, middle school being real tough. And Bird, you're right, buddy. Bird Baggett <laughs> says, what do you say there, Bird? He said, God don't make junk. True. Amen, like, Bird. All right, so go ahead and do it with the middle school now. So, um, obviously, as you mentioned, middle school is hard enough because um, you're your own little person at this point, really, truly. Um, and you have some sense of who you are, but as a result of no socialization for me, I had no clue who I was. So going to middle school was all the more challenging. But, I mean, I handled middle school pretty fine, I think. But I still had no socialization, no friends. I tried everything into my power to get friends. Um, even volunteered um, at the little morning news crew thing. Doing everything I can to, like, okay, if they see me, if they know me, they'll have to acknowledge me. Um, but it wasn't really until I got into eighth grade that, those turn of events, really, my prayers were answered. But as far as what I mentioned before, as far as a drastic turn, at this point, I was well aware of my circumstances never changing, I felt, because I had no friends. I was in middle school at this point. It seemed like, God, I'm God, I'm just destined to be alone. If I have no friends, I'm just destined to be alone. This was my mindset um, as a middle schooler at this point. Like, okay, if I mean, if I'm just asking to be alone, what's my purpose for being here? Like, I'm just, I have no friends. I'm alone all the time. So what, why am I here? If I were to die right now, would anybody miss me? And my apologies to your viewers and or listeners who are affected. But at this point, as a young preteen, um, adolescent, suicide was crossing my mind. Um, I can believe because it. Yeah, that's okay. Great deal, my life just being alone. My audience, we we've talked to people. Uh, just this morning, I talked with a woman. Her her, her dad had committed suicide, and so we we discussed, you know, the feeling, the stuff around that, that that how it affect her life. So yeah, my my audience, we 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 don't hide things. We we try to tell like it is, and and then how we overcome and move on. And so, well, I'm not surprised. Um, that you had entertained a thought. I'm, I'm glad you didn't. Yeah, I, I, I practice I, it, but no, uh, I good. Practice it. Um, I did probably make possibly almost one attempt. Um, to my recollection, I don't think I made any other attempts. But um, I didn't actually follow through with it. Um, though I did perhaps. It, for me, it was a knife. Um, that was my trigger or. Um, way of possibly ending my life, if you will. Um, I held the knife for a good long deal of time. 
considering cutting myself until there would be no more Dion, but I didn't follow through with it. There's no scarring on my arm. Um, I just got, was definitely in my ear, like, no, no, no. <laughs> you do have a reason for being here, even though I didn't know what that reason was. Amen, sister. So, well, you, you, there's, a, there's people in their 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s that are still hunting for their purpose, so don't feel bad there. Right. So, um, like I said, it wasn't really until eighth grade. I was getting ready to go into high school at this point. A whole new jungle of socialization and animals, if you will, as far as personality and crushing one's personality to extent. So I didn't know how I was going to handle high school. I was in church. Um, um, just to give you an example, um, the, um, at this point, I still had no friends. Um, and this is no disrespect to the church or any congregation. This just is my own personal experience that happened in the church. Um, and there's all different types of experiences that happen in church, which is your own prerogative to share that, if you will. But this is mine. So um, at the church I attended, there are small groups. And usually in small groups, you are surrounded by your peers and they, you know, you're vulnerable and transparent. And sometimes the small group leader will, you know, ask you questions that may pertain to the message or sermon, you know, try to get your mind, you know, prepared or fueled up, if you will, preparing for that particular message before it starts. So, um, again, I had no friends and God was my only friend. So being in church is the only time I can really be vulnerable or be confident in expressing my feelings. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I would get ready to speak and share what I'm feeling. I would raise my hand and without fail. And this was very frequent as which as much as I wish it wasn't. Um, someone would interrupt me, someone in the small group. And instead of that small group leader, whose job it is to facilitate, um, cause I did eventually become a small group leader myself in the church, but, um, their job is to facilitate the group and make sure everyone has the opportunity to be transparent and to be open and vulnerable because it's so good. If any time to be vulnerable, it's that place. Mm -hmm. But she decided to not do her job. In my opinion, she decided to start a separate conversation with the person that interrupted me. And, um, excuse my language, but at this point, it's like, damn, I'm just invisible girl. Like I, I can't even be vulnerable in church and not yeah. be interrupted or seen as invisible at that point. So, um, um, like I said, I was about to go into high school, eighth grade at this point, it seemed like my turn of events weren't changing anytime soon. Um, I started volunteering. Um, and like the technical equipment or digital media, the broad aspect or digital aspect of ministry, youth ministry, that is. And I was trying everything in my power to get friends and be acknowledged. I love serving God. If I'm around, they have to acknowledge me because I'm there every single service. So, mm -hmm. but um, that wasn't happening at the rate I wanted to, obviously. Um, some of the older kids did try acknowledge me they like oh she seems cool they were convincing me and this is where my life and prayers were immediately answered which i'm going to get into so they were like dion you should go to this youth camp you should go to this youth camp and i was really stubborn and resistant not that i had anything against going to camp because i've gone to plenty of youth camps which and had a wonderful time it's the aftermath 
of me returning from those youth camps that I have a problem with. Um, because I would have a wonderful time, I would fellowship with other believers, you're cut off from technology in those instances. So you have no technology, you're away from home, you have no choice, literally, but to talk to someone in that moment. So they have no choice but to talk to me. And I'm like, yay, I have friends. So I would have, I would feel good. Hey, I have friends, I have God, everything's sunflowers and daisies. But when I would come home, back to my reality, I'm back to invisible girl. It's like the last week never happened. And those people forgot I exist. They just automatically, oh, we're back home. Who's this girl? Like, I didn't spend a whole week with them. Back, back to the old routine. Yeah. So um, I'm like, why would I want to go through this again? I'm about to go into high school at this point. I have a firm grasp that I'm just destined not to have any friends or anything. Um, so they're like, no, 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 go, go, go. So um, I went. And I would say it changed the trajectory of my life um, moving forward. Um, one of the last few nights, the topic was the Holy Spirit. And from my own interpretation, many people interpret it differently, I'm sure, um, because it's a really biblical um, topic and sensation, if you will. I just felt an overwhelming sense of love, grace, and purpose. Like all my prayers were answered at that precise moment. And I was crying, I fell on my knees, which is a really known thing to do when feeling the Holy Spirit. And people were hugging me and crying over me and praying over me like, yeah, we do love you. We do care about you. And I just felt like God answered all my prayers. I got that acceptance I've been praying for since I was three years old. Yeah. At that purpose I've always wanted, everything was answered at that moment. Um, and when I came home, my circumstances remained the same as camp. I had friends. I had that socialization. I was able to go into high school with a clear sense of who I was finally because I had no sense of that um mm -hmm. until that experience so I went on to high school um continued working hard in my studies and back to me laughing at those doctors I mentioned a few short moments ago um I ended up graduating high school with a 3.0 GPA and two scholarships so um Along with obviously gaining that acceptance and working hard towards that acceptance, I had to work a thousand times as hard for my intelligence as a result of my circumstances because I learned things at a slower weight, slower rate, rate. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. So I had to work a thousand times as harder to prove I'm just as smart as everybody else is. Um, the first scholarship I got um, was in middle school. Um, and a result of me trying to find myself in a way. Um, all these kids were getting good grades. And at this point, I had a, a good rhythm, a good balance of grades. I wasn't failing. Um, so I'm like, okay, I should have a scholarship too. So I spoke up. I actually used my voice, which has been so quieted yeah. for so long. Even though I did obviously learn to talk, my speech was very quiet, even when I did formulate some type of words 
it was quiet because nobody would acknowledge me. So it was quiet. But then I decided to speak loudly in regards to how I felt I was treated in regards to my academics. Like I'm just as smart as everybody else. I have the same grades. I deserve a scholarship. So um, because these scholarships were just being handed out and handed out, it seems. And I'm like, why don't I have one? So I spoke up. I advocated for myself in that instance, which was a rarity for me to do that for me. And I got it. I continued to maintain the scholarship up until I got into high school. And then around my senior year of high school, um, there was an essay we had to do um, to get for perspective scholarships. Um, I didn't take much thought into that. I just thought it was just a regular essay. Um, I thought for a scholarship, you had to apply for it. So I submitted the essay to my instructor or teacher. And several months later, I received an email saying that I've been awarded a scholarship. I'm like, okay, this is pretty awesome. I didn't even apply for it. But apparently the essay was my way of applying. Um, mm -hmm. which I didn't know at that point. So um, I have a scholarship. I graduated high school. It was a really pivotal moment for everyone. <laughs> Not it, it was my moment, but it was really everybody's moment because I've had to overcome so much um, gaining acceptance. My own personal struggles with mental health was obviously my own, um, but just proving that I'm intelligent, proving that I'm smart, that in spite of how I came into this world, I'm just as special, I'm just as unique. Um, it just goes to show the depths of my character and my heart and how I've gone through and I have come to the other side of it by proving those doctors wrong and everybody's ever doubted me or made fun of me as a result of how different I came into this world, so. Yeah, we're all unique, we're all different. We learn at uh, different rates and everything. Uh, like you're saying, and uh, I, it took me eight years to get a two-year degree. So you know, it took it took me a day or two to get done with this. Hey, in uh, time awakening says, hey, we cannot begin to change the world until we first work on the one in the mirror. So, and you're doing it's exactly what he's saying that you've worked on yourself. You know, with but you have professional help with the uh, speech therapists and other people to help you along with this educator that uh, stay with you even up to uh, your college and everything. That again, amazing woman. I'm glad she was blessed to be in your life. I'm glad you were blessed to have her in your life. Yeah, so she's yeah, she's still in my life. Um, we have annual lunches every single year. Um, our last lunch was last summer. Um, it would have been the other summer, but due to the pandemic here in Florida, um, we couldn't really have it. But yeah, she's yeah. a monumental um, person in my life and has had so much faith in me um, from the start of everything. And I'm so grateful for her. Oh, yeah. And of course, uh, I can tell people that with my situation, God knew that I needed the family I have to help me be successful. I mean, they sacrificed so much for me. And so God knew that this woman needed to be in your life, or it could be the other way around. Maybe, <laughs> maybe she needed you in her life. Maybe that's why she followed. I mean, it's, 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 it, it could it be is, a coin toss. Uh, probably both of you needed each other. Okay. It, it, it could Overall. Us. Um, so, and I already explained 
my journey as far as my struggle with mental health. Um, I did mention to you before we started recording that I do have a podcast called Birds of Heart, um, which is symbiotic to my own journey. Um, so in regards to how that little nugget of wisdom known as podcasting, which is a really vocal and broad platform, came to be, um, it started, or I guess the idea took root when I got diagnosed with diabetes at the start of the pandemic. Um, before I was diagnosed, um, my mental health really suffered. It suffered very badly, as well as, well as my faith, because mm-hmm. um, it was just... I got, it was just, everything was crashing down before me. I didn't know it was symptoms of diabetes. I was basically a skeleton. I was sick. I had just turned 24, literally just turned 24. It was all November, 2019. Um, I was finally, I mean, I was still in school, still in college, obviously. I was getting a grasp on my study, which was graphic design. I was in a good group. It seemed like all those speed bumps or obstacles that were interfering when I was growing up took pause or they took a vacation and it seemed like my adulthood was somewhat normal because adulthood is never really normal, but my adulthood was somewhat at a good level mm-hmm. that I can handle. But all of that just disappeared the second I got sick. Um, it was just, I just, I was a skeleton, literally a skeleton. Um, I thought, I was going to die at any given moment, literally, quite literally. It's not even exaggeration or me just saying that. It's literally the case of my circumstances at that precise moment. I really could have died. Um, We went to the doctors. They thought it was a stomach bug. No one could really answer one on earth what was happening to me. My family was crying every single day. I was just so unbelievably miserable and suffering and I knew God was there somewhere, but I wasn't sure what he was doing or if his answer was going to be revealed to me. And at that point, if I was going to be around to hear it at that point, yeah. like uh, by the time I heard it, I was going to be up in heaven with him. Like my life was ending. Um, so this went on for this all started in November. I mean, you know, birthdays, Thanksgivings, all those happy times that you're supposed to be happy for family, togetherness, turning a new age. Um, I couldn't be happy for it. Um, so this environment of my condition happened between November to December. So I was like this till past Christmas, literally, um, with no idea if I was going to wake up the next day or if this was my last time going to sleep or anything um it was just so unbearably horrible and during my suffering I actually resorted back to a thought I haven't had since I was 10 years old and that was suicide it was that terrible I literally just give you an example um obviously that what was happening to me was I was a skeleton, like I said, but no nourishment was in my body. Um, it was eating itself from the inside out. Um, I would have one bite of something and perhaps be full or two bites of something be full and inevitably end up throwing up usually. Like no food was staying inside my body. Uh-huh. So my dad and my sister thought that the best idea was to get as much protein in me as possible. 
keep me in mind, my eating habits weren't the best. They were that of a five-year-old, if I'm being quite honest. But um, they were trying everything in their power to get more food into me, which which they didn't know was inevitably making it worse due to sugar and the intake and all that stuff. So uh -huh. um, I they were trying to get me to drink this shake. I was a bit iffy and like I was it wasn't agreeing with me as far as the taste and my dad was getting frustrated and I emotionally yelled and screamed like instead of shoving the shake down my throat, I should shove a knife down my throat. Um, mm. And that freaked me out immediately because I haven't had a thought of suicide since I was a kid. And that was just horrible for me to think that. I ran to my room right away, just freaking out, having a panic attack, an anxiety attack. Like, I can't believe I just said that. Um, Dad, we have to call my therapist. I did have a therapist at that point in my adulthood, which is nothing wrong with having a therapist first and foremost, so. No, it's not there. I tell people that, you know, we're told to stay healthy by exercising our body. To maintain and stay healthy as well, we exercise. We need to exercise our mind. And that may be with a counselor, a therapist, psychologist, psychiatrist, a mentor, a coach, a personal friend, real good friend, mom, dad, preacher. It's somebody you can open up to without holding all this stuff in and causing stress and heart attack. So when exercising the body, exercise the mind, the mind as well. Absolutely. So um, fast forward to January 8th, 2020. Um, yes, your audience heard that right. Um, I got diagnosed with diabetes on January 8th, 2020. Um, when I was admitted to the hospital, I know as a female, we're not supposed to talk about our weight, but this is pivotal my story. And so I'm just going to be honest here. Um, I'm used to wearing, weighing about 100 to 27 pounds, give or take. Um, when I was admitted to that hospital, I was about 80 pounds, possibly less. Oh, wow. Okay. So um, I shouldn't have been walking or standing um, at that point, really. I really should have been dead um, at that point. But um, I saw my diagnosis as a blessing in disguise, truly. Well, yeah, because now you know what to do to try to fix things. Yes. You know, when, when you know, yes. Right. Continue living my life. Um, I was on the brink of death and literally God's love resurrected me from the dead, which is a really biblical statement and probably the best description I can give because I experienced that. Um, so, yes, I was very f grateful for this um, news. My family didn't take as kindly to it, though. Because of everything I had to go through as a kid and overcoming, um, it just seems it just seemed unfair to me. For me, it, it seemed through their eyes it was unfair to me that I've gone through so much already, and now I have to have this be a part of my life. Like I, this girl can't catch a break. So, that's right. Um, and I can understand them feeling like that, and that's the last thing I obviously wanted to happen to me, especially when. I got this diagnosis, it was in the midst of the pandemic, which in 2020, as we can all agree, is when it truly got worse. And a firm reason as to why we all wanna hate 2020, but I can't really hate it because there was a good, very likely chance, not even likely, a good fact that I wasn't gonna be able to witness it. So I can't mm -hmm. hate it as much as some of your listeners might want to. 
So even oh, yeah, though- there's a lot of people that want to forget 2020 because of all the shutdowns yeah. and and yeah, all that. Uh, but again, for you, you got a totally different reason. You know, that shutdown gave you back your life because they found a diagnosis finally. Well, that yes, and um, I mean, in regards to the shutdown, it really occurred here in St. Pete in March, as far as the shutdown. So, um, as far as the shutdown and reconnection to my diabetes, um, I mean, I was in a hospital when I got diagnosed, so that was obviously awesome that that happened. But in regards to the shutdown, everything being shut down and closed gave me a chance to better handle and adapt to my diabetes. Mm -hmm. Um, Just to give you a little tidbit of a fact here, um, while I was sick, obviously I mentioned I was in school. Um, I was taking three classes and it was the fall term, which is a do or die situation, metaphorically speaking, um, for a college student in regards to passing. Um, I worked very, very hard and I couldn't afford to fail any of my classes, especially since I was retaking one of them. So somehow miraculously in the midst of, you know, dying, I somehow managed to pass my classes while I was sick. So that's its own little separate miracle that I find important to mention because I find that to be interesting how God makes our circumstances work. And obviously I missed a lot of days of school. But Working somehow- in mysterious ways. Amen, sister. Yes, I still passed. Um, so by um, the reason I mentioned that part is because I did end up taking a break from school um, as a result of this news, which my family was all supportive and for. So um, in regards to the shutdown, um, I did handle this. I did. I mean, the shutdown didn't really occur in, until March here. Um, I had already um, at that point taken a break from school for the for the spring term. So I was still I was already adjusting to this news. Um, mm. Fast forward to March. It was the first week of March. Um, I was finally feeling like myself. Um, in regards to this news, I was handling it by myself, really. Um, I didn't really discuss it with anyone. Um, my, my best friend, Sandra, who, um, just to give you another information, I did mention I didn't have any socialization, group socialization. That is a fact. Um, mm-hmm. That's 100% honest truth. I did have one friend in the span of that lifetime who end up moving or going places a bunch all the time. But I did have one friend in the span of my lifetime. So I didn't have that group socialization, which did take a toll, but I did have at least one friend. Um, and she had diabetes as well. So she was real confident in that respect. And my own little soul sister in regards to God and our spirituality and our spirits aligning at the precise moment in time. But, um, I just, I didn't discuss it. It was really hard for me to adjust to this. And I just didn't feel comfortable relaying that to anyone. So Mm -hmm. um, I kept it to myself. I social distanced before that was made adamant amongst Florida here. So I sort of started the social distancing thing really because I was adjusting to this news. So March, which is when the shutdown decided to occur, the first week of March, I was finally feeling like myself again. I felt like I was still me just because I have diabetes. I, I'm still Dion. I'm not a freak. I can still continue living my story. So I decided to go out 
it, I, I, I was a bit hesitant because it seemed um, just having insulin on me and having a snack on me, it was weird. Um, so I went out. Then the second week of March hit, everything got shut down. So um, I was spent two months, literally. I mean, the first month before I could have died. Then January hit, I'm alive. I spent two months not talking to anyone, not socializing. And then March, I finally become me again, or I feel like me. I'm ready to socialize. And then everything gets shut down the next week. So um, I wasn't a fan of the shutdown like everybody else, but for different reasons. Um, yeah. Because I just spent the last two months literally um, with no socialization in regards to my news. And then the month before that, literally on the grip of death. So I needed that socialization. Um, so I'm like, what am I going to do? And I was still adjusting to this diabetic news. I'm like, I can still be me. I can still socialize. I can still do that. How do I do that if everything's shut down? Um, so luckily through the church I was attending, um, they had this my local ministry or young adult ministry called my local. And they started doing Zoom calls. And I think that was God's answer literally in that moment, because I always wanted to be a part of it, but I didn't have the luxury of attending because of school or transportation. I did, I just couldn't attend. So God made it possible, I think, to for them to do Zoom calls so I can get that socialization still, that I'm still me. I can have that fellowship and unity and that support system in this That's right. new part of my life. So Yeah, yeah. In regards to how that played a factor and, and my podcast. Um, God placed the word warrior on my heart when I got diagnosed in January, 2020, um, that year, which again, all respect to those who want to hate it. Um, I can't hate it though. <laughs> so he placed the word warrior on my heart from my diagnosis to be more vocal, to use the power of my voice for good. But I wasn't sure exactly how he wanted me to do that. The only vocalization I had experience with and was doing spoken word videos. I literally started doing that literally in September 2019 because it was a gift that I hid it. I I decided not to share, but decided to share because God gave to me with it and I shouldn't hide it. So I started that. So maybe that was God's secret way of answering my prayer before I was Pre even diagnosed. But um preparing you for what's to come in the future. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, I'm, yeah, no, we we're getting uh, we're getting uh, oh. we're getting to that time. Oh. So, uh, oh, you've been amazing. I enjoyed uh, loving listening to your story, uh, how you've overcome, and you're t talking. I mean, you're being authentic. You're being open. I mean, the the search for friendship, trying to fit in, you know, everything, and finally the prayers are answered. And then what happens? You get kicked down in life again with diabetes. And it took yeah. a while to figure it out. So that's that's what's going to happen in life. We're going to have our up, 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 ups, and we're going to get our downs again because that's the way life works. Okay. Absolutely. And if it wasn't for me being diagnosed with diabetes, I'll try to be super quick here. Um, I wouldn't have launched my podcast, Words Apart, um, and answering God's prayer of me being a warrior for change and um, helping others share their stories of mental health and just amplify their voices in a way 
that the world may silence you because I understand from personal experience how it feels to be silenced literally and mm-hmm. rejected. Um, so I love that podcasting opens the platform for people's stories that has the power to help someone and quite frankly, save their life. So I'll just, hey, man, sister. <laughs> hey, just remember this, uh, this stuff here, like we're doing today on the, on the big worldwide web, they say it's going to be on there forever. So just think in 100 years from now, you're going to be helping someone else. So how's that feel? That feels awesome. That's <laughs> right. That's You'll still be around in 100 years. I won't be, but um, I'll be dead and gone. But to think that we're still going to have an impact because somebody's going to stumble across this. They're going to say, what is this? And of course, 100 years from now, it'll be totally something different out there that we have no idea yet, but they're going to stumble across and they're going to say, what is this thing? And then, boom, they're going to be helping people. So, Deanna, thank you for uh, being Hey, You want to throw a website out or, yes. or social media in case somebody wants to talk with you? Sure. Um, so they can find me. Again, I'm the host of my podcast, Words of Heart. You can find Words of Heart on Facebook, YouTube, Spotify, Pandora, wherever you listen to your podcast. If you want to get in touch with me just in general, I'm on Twitter at HeartWarrior24. And on Instagram at HeartWord25. Um, all my other social media platforms are fairly accessible through either the platforms I just mentioned. Good deal. And I'll, put, I'll list those in the show notes to make it easier for people to come hunt you down. So, <laughs> hey, go listen to her podcast again. What, what's it called again? Words of Heart. Words of Heart. And Bird, I'm reading your mind, Bird. I'm reading your mind. I'm going to get uh, Dion's address. Bird has just opened up an organization. Uh, um, his mission, and uh, he's providing hope to people. And so I'm going to send you a few things that uh, Bird has given to me as well. And I'm going to send you a few things, a bookmarker, um, a magnet. Uh, We were talking about the wooden nickel thing, uh, Bird, with hope on it. But I'm going to send you a few things. So after we get done here, be sure to send me your, your physical address. (laughs) <laughs> and I'll mail some stuff to you, oh, and, for, you. and I'll send some extra things so you can share with other people. That's what we're doing. His uh, vision is providing hope to many people. His his uh, mission uh, thing is called uh, Million Heart Missions. Awesome. Million Hearts Mission. And so uh, providing hope to people. So, all right, Dion, appreciate you being here and everything. Bird, thank you for coming in. End time. Awakening, thank you for coming in, brother. Appreciate you at all the time. Now, Dion, before I leave here, okay. I'd ask you this question. We know people that are hurting and struggling today. And if you can leave us with a powerful message that would help them get through today, that's going to be a blessing. Sure. And that message is this. You are a warrior in spite of your circumstances. Amen. Despite of your circumstances, you are a warrior and you have to be a warrior to be able to get uh, through a lot of things like you have. And you yeah. definitely have a warrior's heart as well. Thank All right. You. Thank you for coming in. And I uh, hope people, hey, share this out to someone that you know can use some uh, inspiration, some hope, some encouragement. And get it from Dion Sanchez. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thank you for coming in. I'm Dr. James Perdue, the Professor of Perseverance. Thank you for coming on to Professor of Perseverance podcast. Let's do something today, tomorrow something next week that's going to help you persevere past your paralysis. 
Thanks for listening to the Professor of Perseverance podcast. For motivation, inspiration, and encouragement. For more information, go to Facebook at Professor of Perseverance. Visit the website at ProfessorofPerseverance.com and view the YouTube channel, Dr. James Perdue, Professor of Perseverance.